You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, this is RUV English and I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company. It is time for a new episode of The Week in Iceland. And there has, despite it being June, been quite a lot of news over the last few days and a big story developing today as well. So let's get straight on to that with my colleague here at RUV, Holgrimur Indrathasen, who joins me to take a look at a, a very surprisingly busy week, I think, because you and I were saying beforehand we sort of didn't expect that this week was going to be as busy as it has been, but there have been some big stories. Uh, yes, indeed. And uh, one story is uh, evolving pretty much as we speak uh, right now because uh, uh, this morning, the uh, finance uh, authority, uh, which is under the central bank, has uh, issued uh, their report on uh, uh, the way that Islandsbanki uh, handled uh, the selling of just over 20% shares of the bank. This bank has been uh, uh, pretty much since uh, the financial collapse uh, been owned by the state, mm. but it has always been uh, the limit to, to sell it gradually. Uh, and uh, the state itself handled uh, over 20% of the sales uh, uh, a few uh, few months back and uh, that that was controversial but this revolves around the shares that the bank itself handled and uh, it's it's safe to say that uh, the finance authority is very critical on, on the way this is this was handled. It really is, isn't it? And this was a controversial sale at the time. There were protests that took place in the centre of, of Reykjavik. People were really unhappy. But have we learned anything new, do you think, from this report? It does go into a lot of detail about all the things that went wrong. Yeah. Uh, one of the things uh, was that uh, there was uh, a staff within uh, the bank that uh, had the chance to uh, to make offers uh, in shares, even though they knew maybe a bit more about what was going on than the rest of the public. So that is, uh, I, I'm not a, an expert of the law, but uh, that, uh, t- as far as I know, that is uh, pretty much illegal. Feels wrong, doesn't it? Yes, it, it, indeed, <laughs> indeed it does. Uh, and uh, and uh, they are even accused of uh, misleading the state, giving them uh, pretty much false information. Mm. Uh, so uh, this re- this really has uh, gone has uh, uh, if we if, according to the report this has in many ways gone badly wrong mm. and it's mainly the uh, the board of the bank and the bank manager that ha- that received the biggest part of the criticism here. Mm. Now the fine I think is in excess of one billion Icelandic krona, yeah. biggest such fine ever. Yeah, and Be- that was negotiated uh, yeah. before before the weekend. That was that that was uh, then then uh, the bank has pretty much admitted that it uh, yes. it hadn't uh, in in every way uh, acted uh, according to the law. And is that the punishment then, or is there more to come? Uh, I would uh, I would suggest that it was uh, that that maybe that is the formal punishment. I mean that yes. the the state will not punish uh, the bank itself yes. more than that. But the big question here now is uh, uh, the responsibility of the board and the bank manager and yeah. whether they really are are able to keep their jobs. Uh, 
after this, and and I would I would uh, think that there will be mm. some evolvements uh, before the end of the yes. day, and at least the next few days. I, I'm not suggesting for a moment this would be the appropriate sanction in this case, but it's it's really interesting that lots of people outside of Iceland think of Iceland as the country that famously jailed the bankers Indeed. during the credit crunch. Now it's a bit more nuanced than that because the bankers were jailed for doing things that were illegal, not just for being bankers. Exactly. Um, and in this case, those people might be quite surprised to see that there is a banking scandal, perhaps not on quite the same scale, but one that has arisen in this way, and one which the authorities claim and have apparently seen to be so, one that's gone so very badly wrong. Yeah, and uh, the, the what, what maybe is uh, is a big worry is that after, after all this happened in 2008, all this collapse, the rules uh, regarding the banks and how they were how they were operated uh, were were tightened and mm. uh, for example it it is not considered possible now that uh, uh, that banks can go into these uh, these huge debts to to uh, overtake uh, other companies uh, and uh, which which was pretty much what uh, the, one of the big reasons that yeah. the, that they fell, but uh, this uh, revolves around uh, shares in the bank itself, uh, which is maybe something that uh, was not considered something that the, we that uh, that the, the, the state thought that they mm. would have to make some stricter stricter rules on. This was supposed to be uh, uh, an open uh, when, when when the shares were offered initially that the. the 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 message was that this would be open, this would be transparent, and uh, everyone would be equal mm. when they were mm. able, when when they could when, when they were offered uh, to buy shares. Uh, this report obviously suggests that that was not the case, and it does go into a lot of detail as to what went wrong. One of the details I found quite interesting was that the bank is accused of not having recorded telephone conversations. Yeah. Uh, when have you ever phoned the bank not to hear the message your call is being recorded for quality and training purposes? Bizarre, isn't it? That, that it, you know, it, it goes into that level of detail, but there is that level of detail. Yeah, yeah. it really is, and maybe that is uh, there. That is maybe a, the, this this small part that shows the the bigger picture here mm. of of uh, wondering what went wrong. This should be this should be pretty basic, but. Uh, when uh, something like this hmm. goes wrong, then uh, then you 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 wonder what what is behind it. Yeah, it's a big day on Vestmania, in the Western Isles. The Nordic Council of Ministers meeting with the special guest, the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. They get to take a friend, don't they? And he was the one that they decided they <laughs> they wanted to take this time. Yeah, uh, and uh, this is uh, something that is has been customary when this uh, Nordic uh, Prime Ministers meet. That uh, and la uh, for example, last time. When this meeting took place uh, in Iceland in uh, 2019, mm. uh, Angela Merkel, the then uh, German Chancellor, uh, came. So, but uh, this is uh, sort of a, a platform that uh, the Nordic Prime Ministers use to sort of have a have a discussion on uh, what what is yes. uh, going on, and uh, and it has has uh, become quite uh, quite necessary for for them to meet uh, on a reg on a regular basis and especially now when things are when when there are certain things going on on in the world and yes. as i understood the the main the main topic uh, in the meeting today was uh, security issues uh, and and i guess that uh, mm. the security in in a very broad uh, perspective uh, 
not only military but also uh, like in cybersecurity and yes well ukraine i think is going to on or did dominate much of the meeting we were certainly told that it was going to as it did of course during the council of europe meeting which was also in iceland very mm-hmm. recently but perhaps the uh, you know the events of of this weekend in russia will have given the participants much to to think about and talk about yeah indeed and uh, that maybe is uh, that that maybe goes especially for finland who who, yes. board, who borders uh, russia and of course the newest uh, member of uh, the this uh, nordic prime minister's uh, company was uh, the new Finnish uh, Prime Minister Petri Oru, who's uh, who just uh, just recently uh, took over from Sanna Marin, and uh, I, and I think this is maybe if if the the situation is is fragile in Russia and of course Finland having this long border uh, yeah. along Russia, this this will maybe affect them the most or or yeah. Mm. Have have uh, that there will be my, my most 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 things to think about for yes. for Finland, and Iceland has the presidency at the moment, which yes. is why it's happening in Iceland. Mm-hmm. And and the Westman Isles were chosen because this is the fiftieth anniversary this year of the volcanic eruption. Yeah, on indeed. the islands as well. So yeah. I think that that's fed into the experience that the Nordic leaders have had. I think there was a ceremony taking place earlier today to uh, commemorate. What yeah, happened. it's around. I think. Uh, the, I don't remember the date exactly, but it is uh, some some time in early July. That is the that is the anniversary mm. anniversary of the ending of the volcano. Yeah. It started on January twenty third, nineteen And uh, of course, it's uh, also was chosen because uh, when when uh, the Icelandic Society needed uh, support for rebuilding of the Westman Islands. The mm. Nordic countries were very affecting and yes. gi- effective in giving that that support. So, uh, so that was maybe one of the reasons that the the Westman Islands were chosen yes. chosen for this event. And the Danish Prime Minister, I think, was also speaking today about how glad she was that her country and various other Nordic countries were able to help. Because one of the themes of this meeting has been about the resilience of fragile communities exactly and i mean you can't think of many communities that showed more resilience i suppose than than that town on the west when I was. yes indeed this was uh, of course uh, this was a huge huge event and uh, uh and and i think i even think that there is it it's had been has been has been really admirable how the westman islands have been able to sort of keep uh, keep their Population ongoing. I think I don't think, uh, however, that uh, they they have still reached the number mm-hmm. of inhabitants that they had before the uh, eruption took place, but it's still a, a very very strong community, very resilient, and uh, they are they stick very well well together, mm. and uh, that has gotten them very far. Let's turn to whaling because about a week ago, seemingly from nowhere, came the decision of the Minister of Food that the whaling season was not going to happen. At least it was going to be suspended until the end, essentially, of the season on the 31st of August. Now, there's only one company that still uh, engages in this activity in Iceland, but they are very unhappy that this decision was taken at the very last minute and lots of people working in the industry and trade unions in the town of Akranes as well, Mm -hmm. plus the municipality itself. All very unhappy, I think, maybe not so much about the decision, but about the timing of the decision, the day before people were expecting to go to work. Yeah, exactly. And that is, of course, very, very understandable that 
there was a co- of course very many employees who who thought they were going to have a job this summer and this creates quite a lot of income uh, for for those who, who work there so it's understandable that uh, they were not uh, happy with this decision but uh, I'm not sure the uh, the Minister of uh, Food and Agriculture will agree that uh, this decision came out of nowhere because uh, what her reason is that uh, the the report a report that came from the Icelandic Food and Veterinarian Authority claiming that uh, the uh, the the method of hunting whales was uh, uh, was not uh, in accordance uh, with uh, laws on uh, on animal welfare. Hmm. Uh, uh, that that report uh, was published. Uh, I don't know a few weeks ago. Don't remember the date exactly. Uh, and that is formally the reason why hmm. she uh, decided to stop uh, stop the whaling season. This has, of course, sparked huge, contro- huge controversy, not only in, in the town of Akranes, but also within the uh, political parties and yeah. maybe mainly the two political parties that uh, are working with the left greens, the, the minister's party, in, in government. The, the the opposition is standing behind uh, the minister, which is which is uh, peculiar. <laughs> yes, yes. But these two parties have been uh, very much against it, and even even claimed that uh, it was not lawful this this decision. Uh, so, uh, I assume that uh, this would still be con- will will still become controversial, and even mm. have uh, it, it might uh, make uh, the cooperation between these three parties in government more difficult. It'll be interesting to watch that because last week uh, I spoke to our colleague Valer Gretesen here at Roof who'd been following this story. He said he'd been on the phone to everybody in government and couldn't actually find anyone who thinks that it's going to be an issue that splits the coalition. There seems to be enough room and space, at the moment anyway, there seems mm-hmm. to be enough room and space for the Minister of Food from one party to say we're doing this and for other parties in the in the governing coalition to say, well, we don't agree but we're not going to fall out about it. And I wonder if that's going to hold. Uh, yeah, I think it's true that uh, this decision itself will not split the government, but uh, there have been uh, other controversies within the government that has have sort of strained uh, the relationship uh, between the parties. And uh, that's one, one example is uh, the immigration law that mm. was eventually passed, but the left greens were... Uh, we're not too keen on in and in, in, in include and at least many within the left greens. Uh, so uh, there have been some st- some strains within the government and uh, and yeah, the, the, we will we will maybe see in the next few months whether the mm. strain is in, is enough that strain is enough to split the government. Good news for those who want to learn Icelandic to quite a high level. Online teaching of Icelandic is being offered, as a second language, is being offered from later on this year. It's already, Icelandic as a second language, already the most popular subject at the University of Iceland. Yeah. I, I was, when I, when I saw this, I was surprised that this hadn't already happened, yeah. actually. Yeah. Because uh, when uh, I when I was uh, studying in, in the university 20-odd uh, years ago, uh, Iceland for uh, which 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 called uh, Iceland for foreign sh- foreign students uh, was it was it called back, back then, <laughs> uh, and uh, that was uh, pretty mu- that was pretty popular studies already then, and 
considering that mm. uh, many of uh, of uh, immigrants or foreigners who who move to Iceland, they are working in the countryside. They are working in tourism. They are working in in fisheries, and they are mm. working in agriculture, which are uh, in a broad perspective, or, or, or the biggest part of it is uh, in in the countryside. So it's. It's very, un- it's quite, quite unbelievable that this hasn't happened. Yeah, sooner. you'd think even with COVID, you know, yeah, that would exactly. that, that might have been the trigger for this, but mm. apparently not. Mm. Uh, the Department of Humanities at the university had the biggest number of applications at nearly fourteen hundred. Of those, six hundred and forty applications were for Icelandic as a second language. So it's mm. hugely popular. Yeah. And I think it's going to open up opportunities not just for people outside of the capital, because of course you can also take this course in Isafjörður and in Akureyri mm. as well, but for people maybe in Reykjavik who are too busy to attend classes in person but can maybe do this work online. Yeah. It, I think it's a it's a great idea and I, I share your surprise oh. that it's taken this long for this to happen. Yeah, indeed, because uh, Icelandic is a very hard language to learn for, yeah. for foreigners. So uh, <laughs> you can't expect them, expect every foreigner just to, just to learn by doing it. No, no, I can confirm that for sure. Um, let's talk about Rockall. Yeah. Which is an island. Well, that's a bit grand, actually. It's an islet. It's a lump of granite <laughs> in the North Atlantic. It is closest to the UK, but it is contested, or at least there are um, suggestions from a number of countries that, that where it is has some impact on the claims that they might, might want to make as far as fishing is concerned, for example. Iceland is one of those countries. Now, there's an adventurer staying alone on Rockall at the moment. He is trying to uh, raise money for military charities. He's doing an excellent job at the moment. He's living on this ledge. I think it's called Hall's Ledge, which is just long enough for a survival pod, which is a kind of um, firm tent, I suppose, isn't mm. it? A, a solid tent. And he's there for another 20 days or thereabouts. But Iceland's claim um, to this concerns the, the continental shelf in the area. Mm. Other countries have got a claim as well. Denmark via the Faroes. The UK claims it as its own. And Ireland uh, are looking sort of enviously at this lump of granite as well. But there's not much there, is there? No, not <laughs> no, not really. And and uh, I, I really don't under, understand how this guy can uh, stay at this, as you no. call it, lump of granite for all, all this time. But this dispute, I, I remember uh, doing some stories on, on this uh, dispute on the, in the uh, continental shelf uh, when... Shortly after I, I started working for uh, for uh, Roof seventeen years ago, uh, and this has been sort of ongoing, and and I'm I'm, but it hasn't really maybe reached the height for the past few years that it maybe had like, yeah, almost almost twenty years ago, and I'm uh, I, I'm wondering whether that is because. Uh, uh, part of the resources uh, the the uh, the these uh, nations are are discussing is uh, oil and gas which is maybe it's it's maybe not the right time to <laughs> to search for something like that when, when during yes. the these climate issues but uh, um, yeah the, I, I this this dispute hasn't been resolved there have been discussion and I'm not. I'm really not sure if that will ever ever happen. Yeah. It's also interesting because this is not an island that can support independent economic activity, which I think is the definition of mm. of whether or not it can be used to say, "Well, our territory ends here." Um, Iceland has its own um, 
uh, rock hole in a sense in in Kolbenzi, yeah, which is the tiny little scrap, much smaller even than than, mm. than this island, yeah, uh, way to the north of Grimsey, which is disappearing beneath the waves. Yeah, uh, and uh, a few and uh, many years ago, this they they used Iceland used Kolbenzi to sort of. Uh, in increase uh, their fisheries uh, mm. limits, so so they would so one of the points would uh, refer to Kolbenzi instead of uh, some uh, being more more as part of part of the the country the island the Iceland as an island itself. Yes, uh, I, I think that has changed uh, somehow, but uh, I mean. Uh, they, they, there were, there were really efforts trying to save Colbin. Say they, they put a, a helicopter yes. platform on there, and they were trying to put some concrete on it to prevent the sea from destroying it. And it, it, it was very, very peculiar. <laughs> yeah, the, the, we were looking at this in the office earlier, and the helicopter pad, yeah. which was on this concrete platform that had been built between the two bits of the island, has just crumbled it's just mm. fallen away it's in the sea you can't mm. land a helicopter there now and i saw a video taken i think about two years ago of someone trying to measure the island and so they're on this incredibly slippery scrap of land um with a tape measure <laughs> trying yeah. try not to fall into the <laughs> mm-hmm. into the north atlantic just to yeah. see how big it is 90 square meters apparently yeah. is the size of it which is about the size of a apartment i guess isn't it yeah and uh, yeah and uh, as as far as i know i i i don't think it has the uh, significance, uh, the the economic uh, significance uh, for the for our our fisheries that uh, mm. that it maybe had mm. a few decades ago. Also, separately, the Arctic Circle is moving north apparently, which means that at some point it's no longer going to go through Grimsey as it does at the moment, which is oh. the only bit of Iceland that's covered up apart from Colbensee yeah. that's in the Arctic Circle. Um, so we might need Colbensee to hang on to say that Iceland is an Arctic, an Arctic country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know why the Arctic Circle moves. I don't know how that's possible, but apparently no. it is. It's moving, yeah. it's moving north. Um, let's end with a really good news story, which is the story of Maur and Max. Maur is a student, Icelandic student. He studies in the UK. He is blind. His guide dog is called Max. And until very recently, he was having to worry about finding the cost of bringing Max back to Iceland with him during vacations, which is very expensive. We've talked about MAST in this conversation, the uh, the, the veterinary authority. Mm. They are the ones who insist on all kinds of quarantine and all sorts of checks when animals come back into the country. Mm. That's very expensive. He's been having to pay that himself until just a couple of days ago. Yeah, it's uh, of course, it has had a happy ending, but this, of course, uh, sparked a very huge interest in the media because Maurice uh, is famous for, for a lot of things. As you said, he's blind. Uh, he he was uh, he was formerly a very good athlete. He was a swimmer, uh, set, uh, even even set world records in, in swimming in, in his uh, disability uh, category. Uh, and he is also a musician. He is studying music in in the UK and had a had a song, uh, probably last year in the preliminaries, for the Icelandic preliminaries preliminaries for the Eurovision Song Contest. Song by Kepin, yeah, yeah, yeah. So not this year, but last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, so he's, a, he's 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 very well known. So when he put the, when he wrote this on Facebook that he. 
had to pay for getting his uh, guidance dog back there. This part a controversy, but he said that uh, he had uh, he had been in tried to be in touch with the Ministry of uh, Sociology that was. Uh, he was opposed to contact. He mm. didn't get any response. He said they basically ignored him. When this got sparked this media attention, the ministry contacted him and said, OK, we will pay for it. Yes. So well, it is, it's a great and happy ending. And mm. he made the case uh, during this that, that Max, who is a beautiful looking dog, who obviously loves very much, mm. Max obviously is not a pet. Technically, mm. yeah. Max is a disability aid owned mm. by the Icelandic state. And so he was saying, mm. well, I don't even own the dog. The Icelandic government owns the dog, yeah. but it's not willing, essentially, to pay the cost yeah, exactly. of, of having its own you know, property yeah. back in the country. I think, as, I, as far as I remember, I think there are only uh, eight yeah. dogs like yeah, that yeah, in, the, yeah. in the whole country. Yeah. So the, so, uh, the ministry at least uh, agreed to this after... and but. Uh, the, 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 what what the many people have sort of uh, commented on after this is uh, why why does it take a media attention yes. for the for the uh, system to react the way it should react? Well, I think Maher himself was making exactly that point mm. that and and not everyone will have the profile that he does exactly. So yeah. in in a way, it's lucky that he was the first to raise this because mm. I mean this won't happen again. The no, ministry is going to, is, in, not. if there yeah. is a situation where uh, an Icelander has mm. a guide dog and needs to travel abroad, they're not going to have to pay these costs, it seems. Indeed. Yeah. Well, that's an excellent news story, a great way to finish, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Halgrimur Indrithsen uh, joining me today, uh, my colleague here at Roof on the week in Iceland. Uh, uh, are you expecting this week to be as busy? Uh, well, uh, in advance, no, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. All right, well, let's play out with a piece of music as we uh, tend to do on this part of the show. This is Herbert Gudmundsson and Austerball. And you can get in touch with me anytime here at Ruve English. We are English at ruv.is. <laughs> Og það leikur allt í lindi Þakka fyrir það Ég er góðum stað á því að ég er sáttur að hafa náð Hinga leiðin fyrnum var stráð Oftast nær tókst mér samt að segra Ég hafði ráð Hjá mér, hjá mér, hjá mér Þú átt að elska þig eins og þú Líta tilbaka Lært af öllu hef Þér ég reynslu mína gef Já Því að nógu er að taka Tilgang hefur allt Og það bjargast alltaf Því að ég er sáttur Að hafa náð Hinga leiðin fyrnum Og stráð Oftast nær tókst mér samt að sigra Ég hafði ráð Hjá mér Hjá mér Þú átt að elska því eins og þú ert Og rætt að 
hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English just head to ruv.is slash English.